0: Reality is spiritual. His truth is his truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. Do you all know you're his favorite? (laughs) I know you know. If you don't know you're his favorite, raise your hand. I'm just kidding. Don't raise your hand. So I was, um, I was prepping this week and, um, I started to have a conversation with the lord i'm is anybody really tired of winter like usually i love winter i'm a winter person but for some reason i'm having a problem this year where I, i'm ready for summer so i'm having this conversation i'm saying can it be summer now and i feel like he says yeah it can be summer now and i'm like cool and the way this relates to the sermon i'm um uh getting ready to start a summer series so i'm like asking permission is it okay to start that summer series we've been talking about and um, I feel like he's saying yes it can be summer and then I turn around <laughs> I have this big picture window and I turn around it was a beautiful sunny morning and I look out the window and it's snowing <laughs> and I didn't know that it was supposed to do that that day, or maybe it wasn't supposed to do that maybe it was just to torture me but um, so I'm going Lord I thought you said it could be summer. And he's going, I, and I really feel like I got this deep sense where he said, it can be summer. It's, it's summer. It's, it can be your summer as long as I can do whatever I want with the weather in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so the Lord and I have a deal. We're starting the summer series this morning. And it, just in case you're wondering, it is summer now, but it doesn't mean that the Lord won't make it snow, even though it's summer. So I missed that to somebody. So that's where we're at. We're starting the summer series, and we're going to be talking about um, positioning. Um, in just a bit, I'm going to tell you how, how the Lord did this, how we got to this. Um, but do you understand how important positioning is? Uh, I guess you know, right now, the truth is, we're in the part of the calendar um, leading up to Pentecost, right? and so it's this time of um now think about this with me for a minute how they positioned themselves or how god positioned them both are true right there was this participation and god was doing it and and do you do you recognize that was a really hard period do you know that that was not an easy time even after jesus rose from the dead they're really they still have a lot to fear or they still have a lot of like unanswered questions they really have no idea for the most part what's going on as they wait not a great idea anyway can anybody feel like that you know god's up to stuff but you're not exactly clear on where you're headed sometimes seasons right now this is that season for you okay <laughs> Um. You know, I'm going to start, if we're going to be teaching, and let me say this, my goal this summer, I really want to, um, to do some practical, life-changing things. I want to give you some stuff that will change the way we as a body, and you as a son of God, as a daughter of the King, relate to Him regularly. Do you believe you have more to learn? How many people here are married? <laughs> okay. Okay. So you know that relationships, you never stop learning um, deeper ways to relate with each other. And if you're a slow learner, you learn, like the faster you learn, the more the years go on, right? If you're a slow learner like me, <laughs> um, I forgot where I was going with that. I should really stay, I'll probably get myself in trouble if I keep going with that. So um, I want to start, so we're going to be talking about positioning in relationships. You know that he's, he's always with you. You know he's nuts about you. You are his favorite. And he, he wants to be with you, and he wants to do things with you. And we're going to talk about positioning. So it's on my heart that um, we really should start. Um, I just believe he wants me to start by actually doing some positioning instead of talking about it. Is that okay with you? Okay, here's what we're going to do. I am I have a, um, three pictures, I think, where we have three pictures When I tell her go, I'm going to put, we're going to put them up one at a time, and I'm actually going to leave it there for a minute, okay? I'm going to pray first, and I'm going to leave that picture, and um, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to be with you as you look at it. He's with you already, but with you in a deep way as you look at it. So I want you to note what is the Holy Spirit having you feel as you look at it. What details is he having you notice what might he be trying to show you? See, this is positioning. This is actually affording him the ability to speak in. Okay? Does that sound okay? Are we ready for this? Okay, I'm just going to pray real quick. Father, I thank you that you, you have given us the privileged position of being yours, of choosing us to be in relationship with you. And I just pray right now, come Holy Spirit, come in a great awareness i ask that you would just rip open heaven and come and be with us and communicate i ask that your love would pour out and your revelation would pour out as we look at these pictures okay go ahead with the first one and i'll give you a cue to switch Okay, thank you, Paula. How many of you would say that um, the Lord just met you in some way, just revealed something? It's like the answer can be no. I'm just curious. Okay, good. Okay, turn with me to Luke 10 and verse 38. Okay, how many of you know what story you were looking at in all three pictures? Okay, good, good. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. Now, um, I know that you've heard this. This is probably not new. I'm going to guess to anybody in here that you've you've heard this story before. Um, but now I want to tell you what the Lord just put so strongly on my heart. I think what we usually do with this story of Jesus and the people in that room is um, we think that the moral of the story is that like busyness and work and serving um, is bad and um, and devotion, devotion to your devotional. um Religious devotion to your devotional time to your your intimate time or your your study time with Jesus. That's good. And so we've set these things as diametrically opposed, right? Um, And I want to suggest that there's something completely different than we usually look at um, going on here. And in fact, even before I get into it, I want to. I want to position us this summer (laughs) with this, okay? Um, I'm going to give you three, I think three, three challenges, okay? The first one is, what was the first thing he put on my heart? If you are religiously engaging your study and your prayer time and you don't feel like you're encountering the Lord actually in it, just for a season, don't get mad at me, I'm going to challenge you to quit. Quit doing it. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. If you're not literally experiencing encounter with God when you're doing those things, take a risk and quit doing it. Man, it's quiet in here. (laughs) (laughs) I want to say if your study time is not blowing your theology into new places you never expected to go, quit. That's the second one, okay? so interesting to look at you all right now. (laughs) And the last one is if your prayer life is not yielding miracles. I mean to say if you're asking for things and you're not seeing the answers to what you're asking, definitely quit. Just for a season not for i 'm not telling you guys to quit praying and i 'm not telling now now listen to me i 'm not telling you to quit having a conversation with God to quit talking with him throughout your day i'm talking about if you're one of those where part of your relationship of your life with him is is you're praying for other people you're asking for things you're you're asking for heaven to break out and and you're are you you're called sometimes to pray for healing, and you're not seeing those answers. I'm talking about that part of your prayer life. If you're not seeing the miracles, if you're not seeing the answers, quit for a while. Because do you know what happens? Now, I'm going to get back in the Word, I promise. But do you know what just continuing to pray without, without being in that place with God where he's answering those things, do you know what that is? It's the solidification of religion. <laughs> it really is you know i i'm not going to do it this morning maybe i should have it'll probably have less people mad at me but um do you know that um the word of god actually says that it, it is very very important it's actually critical necessary in your relationship with him that he that you are experiencing the answers to your prayers i can tell i'm gonna have to look it up and do it next week because because that's that's a big thing to put out there and not show you but do you know why that's so important well you you have to have the answers to those prayers that you're asking otherwise you're just making religion which is only gonna hinder the positioning that God wants to put you in so that you're so that you're in an intimacy so that you know you're his favorite so that you're participating in what he's actually doing does that make sense Testimony, right? He's making, he's making story. And if, you're, if we, I'll quit saying you, because believe me, I am in this with you, okay? Um, if we are doing things that are not making, making story, that are actually God's presence doing things, then we're solidifying religion. If anybody despised religion, think about this, think about our Jesus if anybody despised religion who's the one that you think of that most despised religion (laughs) now we have to be careful I'm not saying that there aren't things what we're gonna do this summer is we're gonna replace these things I'm asking you to to quit (laughs) but we're gonna replace it with presence, okay with the presence of God so it's risky are we okay with the risk? You guys okay? okay, nobody's thrown anything at me yet. okay, I'm going to show you one more picture, and then we're gonna do great stuff if um go ahead and put up the yeah the okay, and if you can make that big, you all know that I have a hockey I'm a hockey dad, I'm a hockey coach, and um this is where I told you the the way the Lord imparted like what I believe he wants me to do probably throughout the whole summer this whole positioning thing was this picture I was sitting there praying getting frustrated while I was praying because I wasn't really hearing the answer to where we should be going and what we should do and then this picture came across email and I thought well good cuz I'm frustrated anyway I'm gonna look at a hockey picture and I looked and I got captivated I stared at it for like 40 minutes if it doesn't do the same thing for you, it's, it's okay. Um, <laughs> we like you anyway. But I want you to look at it. I'm just going to give you like not as long as before, like 30 seconds, just look at it and notice stuff. Number one there happens to be my kid. It's probably why it captivated me at first. But what do you notice? Now going to the puck, is he? Positioning. Even the other team, look at the other team, look at positioning. It's such a captivating picture, for me anyway. <laughs> okay, you can take that down. We may look at that again. We may look at that all summer. I hope you like that picture like I do. <laughs> um, okay, um, go with me to Genesis 28. And we're just going to start laying the foundation for positioning. This really is going, I believe, <laughs> this really is going to powerful things that are going to start to, to give us um, really cool ways to engage in reality instead of religiously to, to like the way Jesus wants to be with you all the time. So here in Genesis 28, we're going to read about Jacob. And I'm going to try to read it uninterrupted, unlike my usual mode. For a while, see if that works out. In verse 10, it says Now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head. And he lay down in that place to sleep. No I'm gonna keep reading. (laughs) Then he dreamed and behold a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord your God of Abraham. Let me try that again. I am the Lord God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give to your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and you and your seed, and in you and in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I for I will not leave you until I have done what I've spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Now listen, I want you to notice, I know you've heard this story before too, but I I just want you to notice something. God was there right and in his dream look at this progression with me in his dream God identifies himself God says I am right he starts there he immediately follows it with promises with the promises for the stuff of life do you notice that it's not like pie in the sky like um, y'all are thankful that that Jesus did what was required you have eternal life yes um, but if that was it at the moment, how, how would you be today? If you just thought your job was to wait around until that was brought about, how, how would you feel about everything today? What would you be doing between now and then? Here he identifies himself. He's given promises about the stuff of life. And Jacob says in, now listen, this is, you have to catch this. Jacob says, in this place, I encountered the presence of the Lord, right? He says, in this place. But now listen, if you go back to like verse 15, he says, behold, I'm with you and will keep you wherever you go. Are you seeing that? And will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I've spoken, the the spoken word stuff. Do you know how important it is to have words of God that are for you, that are about the stuff of life? Why? Why is it so important that you have words that were you, you know is his favorite? I'm talking about specific real things spoken to you that he's about and he's inviting you into. Do you know why that's so important? You see, if you don't have that, <laughs> then, then you've, got, you've got a void relationship or you've got a God who is not, who is not in your stuff, who's not, who is not active carrying the presence in your days, right? You might as well shoot for, do whatever you want. Are you, are, does, this, does this make sense? I know I'm being weird today because it's, it's always hard for me to set up the beginning of something, but it is important that, that this makes sense to go where we're going next. Okay, um, look at, uh, go ahead and turn to Genesis 32, and then I'm going to shift a little bit. I want to tell you the story from from what we just read, what happens next is you read a whole bunch about how Jacob works for Laban and Laban um, uh, is cheating him, he's working for a wife, and, and the, it's this circumstance where he really needs to stand up for himself. He stays faithful in agreements that he makes and everything, but he's really being cheated. We also see in between there and next is he begins to head back and deal with Esau. Now, I can't go through this whole thing, but I'm just going to give you a glimpse. What he's doing with getting ready and preparing to do with Esau is to restore relationship where he was the wronging side of the party so what we have both sides we have this side where where jacob has to stand up for himself where see, do you know that god wants you to stand up for yourself that's part of positioning do you know that he does want you to understand that your royalty um let's see how can i do this you know if um if i'm i'm a silly earthly father and if my son's being taken advantage of what do i teach him that's not okay, <laughs> right? You are you're worthy beyond what you can ever imagine, son. You, 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 you teach them to understand their own value, their, their, own, their worthiness. Does that make sense? Okay, but then there's the other side, right, where you're the wronger. And so what's he doing? He's making all of his relationships right. Do you see that? Those chapters, I've never, I'll be honest with you, I never saw this portion of scripture that way until this week, until preparing this week. And I'm seeing that like what we're reading here is Jacob getting all of his relationships right because God's about to bring him into new things. He's positioning him. And part of positioning is having the relationships in your life right this one the vertical one with him the one with the people around you your relationships with the people you don't like the relationships with the people you really like a lot okay does that make sense and then this is what happens next and i know i'm just pulling stuff here but i want to kind of lay a foundation i feel like that's what i'm supposed to do this morning so here in genesis 32 and verse 1 It says, so Jacob, after all that story, it says, so Jacob went on his way and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, now I just have to pause for a minute. Do you realize we just read that this just said, when Jacob saw them, are you thinking about that? Think about that for a minute. When Jacob saw them, He said, this is God's camp, and he called the name of that place Mahaneim. Now, the real word is, um, uh, I'm not great at pronunciation, but it's makanaim. Now, I'm going to tell you what it literally means. It means double camp or dual camp. Now, think about what we're reading. He's writing relationships. God is having him position by getting all the relationships right by not allowing his life to be a life where relationships are out of order and that's okay. Does that make sense? That's what he's doing. And now there's this experience where God wants him to know the actual presence of God in the stuff, the presence of God in that place, God's God's very own presence where he's at, And, and in this case, in the forces of his angels, and he allows him to see it. And he calls the place double camp. What's that? Are you getting it? Now, I want you to re- I want you to um to gather something with me. Okay. One and very important, I mean absolutely necessary foundation for positioning. If we're going to be a people where God's presence is is real <laughs> in our life in in the way we relate to our family, what we're doing at work, the the really the identity of Christ in us, the calling of the fact that you're his favorite, and he has his favorite plans, Um, you're the center of his favorite plans, and he's going to do those things. People of the presence like that, if we're going to be those people, then we are aware that there is a dual reality. You know that that's true. Like, we're doing physical things this morning, but I mean... um, Let's just put it out there, okay? And I don't mean to be insulting, but let's just recognize that uh, if we are the body of Christ, if we are engaged in the things of heaven, in the things that the presence of God is carrying out, then that necessarily means we are a spiritual people. I know, it's like, that's like a duh, right? But think about it. How, how much of your lie, and believe me, I'm in the boat with you, so this is not a condemning message. I'm ever walking this with you. How much of your life, how many minutes of your each day or are, are how much of your life is in the awareness that you're, you're literally walking in a dual reality? You're literally in the presence of God. Do you know that just that awareness, <clears throat> now we're getting to it, do you know that just the awareness of that Positions you. In fact, and this goes back to where we started do you know that if if you are engaging what we call (laughs) spiritual life, things that are about God or for God, studying God, talking to God, and it's not in the awareness of that presence, do you know what that is? It's doubling down on religion. It's actively building a wall between what God wants for you and getting there. Does that make sense? It's never been so quiet in here. (laughs) Okay. Double camp. You're in a dual camp. Go ahead and tell somebody. I'm in a dual camp. (laughs) Okay. Go to Jeremiah 23 23 with me. I thought we were going to do a whole bunch of stuff, but it looks like this foundation is just too too big to do like that. So you have to read this. It says Am I a God near at hand, says the Lord? and not a God far off? Can anyone hide himself in secret places? Now I want you to notice that's plural. You see it says, can anyone hide himself in secret places? Do you know God refers to himself as the secret place? And this is plural, okay? I'm going to suggest that's religious stuff. So I shall not see him, Says the Lord, "Do I not fill heaven and earth?" Says the Lord. Now I know we could have a we could have a theology course, and we could talk about God's omnipresence. But I believe what God wants to challenge this morning is how much uh, how much of your faith, how much of the way that you really think, really um, moves through your life in an awareness of the presence of God in such a manner that you actually believe what we just read. We know God's everywhere. God's everywhere. But h- how much is your awareness, how much are you actually awake to the fact that you are moving and having your being in the presence of God as a child of God, as one who has plans for you in it? Okay. Okay. All right, now I'm going to mix. I'm just going to pray for a minute and make some decisions because um, I brought way too much, which I do every time I start a new series, don't I? <laughs> too much. Okay. Actually, um, we've got to read this one and then we'll do that Psalm 16, verse 7. I'm going to challenge you to do something about what we're talking about. It's kind of a big duh, I know. But um, I believe he is actually hungry to do something really transformational where this becomes more of your reality. And that's what we're going to do this summer. Psalm 16, verse 7. It says this is David okay right and he says I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel my heart also instructs me in the night seasons I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand I shall not be moved now notice that he said I, I have David is saying I have set the Lord before me you see that now have you ever paused on that I don't know if I ever have previous to this but Think about that. Can you set the Lord like he's something you can grab and set before you? But he's declaring, I have set the Lord before me. That's an active positioning of self. Do you know that? That's active positioning. Always before me. I suspect he's not. He was not quite as on it as he's declaring right here. But you understand, because um, he's a man, right? And but you understand that that's a declaration. That's a life-changing declaration. That if if we actually had a hunger that had us do that, that had us set the Lord always before us, and we actually believed we operated, we made decisions that way. That would be life-changing, wouldn't it? I make no claim to be there yet. But do you believe that he's calling you, that he's calling you, even this morning, even right now, he's calling you to um, to accept that gift? Now I know what it is. I got it. Here's what we need to do. Okay, go to Matthew. I'm making it so hard on you this morning. Go to Matthew 16, In verse 21, another story that I know you know, okay, and I'm going to suggest this is the opposite of Mary at his feet. Um, How do we choose the good part? I'm just giving you a bunch of questions. I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. How do we choose the good part? More dedication to our quiet time? (laughs) Is that what that story is telling us? Okay, let's read this. This is Jesus with Peter, okay? You know, um, Peter was his favorite. Is there anybody else who's his favorite? (laughs) All right, good. So you're going to be able to relate with Peter. Here in verse 21, it says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. What's he doing? I mean, seriously, I know you've read this before, but take it like you've never heard it before. What's he doing? He's laying out game plan, right? I mean, literally, he's having a powwow with disciples, and he's saying, um, I want you to understand the strategy. And he's sharing it. Okay, now watch this. Um, verse 22 says, Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Now what's Peter doing? He's going, that's not my preference. Right? That's not how um, I prefer it. That's not how I see it. (laughs) Verse 23, But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now, I I actually, I don't believe that he is, um, he's identifying Peter as Satan, right? He's not doing that. In fact, I I don't even think that he's trying to throw Peter into Satan's camp. (laughs) But what is he doing? He's revealing something very, very um, critical about preference. Now, follow me. Um, The Lord gave me this word preference this week in positioning. Um, I want to tell you what he's saying. Notice that Peter is not suggesting something deeply evil. Do, do you notice that he's not suggesting like an evil plan or a dark plot he's merely saying um, that's not how I prefer it I'm totally with you Lord he's totally on the Lord on the Lord's side do you see that he's he didn't depart from that but he's suggesting a preference of his own that is another way that makes sense and Jesus says get behind me Satan you're an offense to me what's offensive and I believe that Jesus is identifying um, the thinking on the things of man, bringing your own preference or man's preferences into his stuff, and he's identifying it as the spirit of Satan. That's a that's a big deal. <laughs> Do you see that? Um, read on with me, and I'm going to show you something here in verse 24. Did I give you that? Awesome. Okay. Says Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whatever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Famous scriptures. I know you've heard this. I, I want you to see it a little different today, okay? Um, in fact, read on with me, verse 26. It says, for what profit, listen to this, is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now listen to me. This is so important because this is what we do. We connect, you, you understand we're spirit, soul, and body. Okay, and we often, we connect this scripture with the idea that you're, that you're going to be damned, that you're going to, um, that the idea is that what, what profit is it if you lose your soul, like you lose your eternal life, you're able to fall out of the love of God or something, right? And I'm going to tell you that this scripture is the opposite of what we normally think. What, he's saying, what profit is it if you lose your soul? Now think with me, what is your soul? Your soul is the reason you're God's favorite, okay? <laughs> he made you. He designed you. Your soul is your passion. It's what you think. It's your, it's your identity that what Jesus did gets freed because of what he did for you. He, doesn't want you. he doesn't want to do away with you. He's delighted in what he made. And what he wants to do is release who you actually are. Are you following me? And so he's saying, What profit is it if what? If you're in the spirit of Satan, what's that? Thinking darkly evil or being. No, that's just merely. That is merely being one who uh, is occupied with the thinking of man, the, the things of this world, or my own preferences even, that are in line with the things of this world, so that my my soul, the reason God delights in me, the reason I'm his favorite, does not come alive and get freed to do what his plans are. Does that make sense? This is, this is I'm not, taken scriptures from different places this is in order right here this is the conversation where he has a conversation with Peter and he says get behind me Satan you're an offense to me why he states why you're not mindful of the things of God you're bringing the preferences of man and why is this painful to Jesus why does he give him a rebuke where he nearly calls him well he does call him Satan operating in the spirit of Satan because he loves Peter, because Peter's his favorite. Are you gathering this? You've got to see this. What God is up to is wanting you to be positioned to be free, to be what he delights in. What does he delight in? You. <laughs> he did not make a mistake when he made you, and and the word of God says that he knew every one of your days before you lived the first one. He has his plans um, somewhere here. In Proverbs, it says there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. And that's it. That's the whole proverb. <laughs> okay, we're like way behind here. I'm just, I'm just going to share one more thing. So, um, you know, there's a point where Jesus is. Um, they're moving from one place to another and um, they're not receiving Jesus in this place. In fact, let me give you the address so you can go check on me and I'll do that in a minute. Um, they're moving from one place to another and the people there are not receiving Jesus because he's not up to his normal ways, okay? They've, actually, they've developed a preference about how Jesus shall minister to them if they're going to receive him. It's a place where he's been received, um, but he's not aligning to their preference now. And the the disciples say to him, Lord, do you want us to call down fire on them um, and and wipe them out? Literally, (laughs) I should have read it. I think we're okay. Literally, they say, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and wipe them out? And again, he says, you do not know, this is his words, you do not know what spirit you speak from. Now we do, we were just talking about what spirit do they speak from? The spirit of Satan. Okay, but it's not, we're not talking about did well, in this case, you might say they did kind of have an evil plan. <laughs> but, um, but truly, what, what puts it in that spirit in this, instead of the spirit that releases their soul, that makes them say, you don't know what spirit you speak of. Cut it out. It's merely that they're seeing it from, from man's way. So here's what I'm getting at, okay? Okay. Um, now, I'm working really hard at it this morning, but here's, I know that the Lord wants me to share, share this. Here's what I'm getting at. Preference in positioning is a very big deal. Whose preference do you have? I think what all of these scriptures are teaching us is that if we're going to be positioned, if we're going to be a people or an individual person that is positioned for God to have his way, that means his preference is ours. I've had um, conversations with people about, um, of course I have, about worship, for example. I'm going to use church examples. Now, I know you have a personal life, too, and that's really what I want to speak about. But, for example, worship. You know, we live in a culture where there are, um, there are six or eight different choices of tomato soup. I mean, you can spend 15 minutes picking a can of tomato soup because of the choices, Blended tomatoes. Um, And we live in a culture now. I've heard people, I've talked, had conversations about worship, where the conversation goes like this. It's, we believe as a culture that worship is actually for us. And it sounds very legitimate. It's like um, someone will be talking and they will say, um, oh, it's so important because it prepares us to receive the word. When the pastor preaches, like it's so important that um, the worship the worship is is this way or that way because it really prepares me to be ready now i'm going to tell you something um, that 's okay. I know that music and and things that we do that position us to be able to be in the presence of the Lord to receive from him, to be in a place where we can receive, and all of that is very important i 'm not taking that away i 'm not even minimizing that i 'm just saying that's not worship (laughs) worship is is something we're giving to him it has nothing to do with my preference for the style the song choice if we got drums or we don't I'm just using this as an example I've I've had conversations with people about decisions in terms of what we hang on the walls (laughs) seriously in terms of like, is it about my preference or his preference? Well, I want to tell you, um, this, uh, I, it's very much on my heart, very powerfully on my heart to share with you this morning um, that if we're going to be a people that are positioned to be moving into the things that he's about to do, then we're a people of his preference, we're asking for his preference. And let me tell you something, that means that we're a people that actually believes that he has our best in mind, that um, we can interpret this last scripture I read we can interpret from love, which will put us in the truth, or we can interpret from religiousness, which will probably just make us mad at him. <laughs> because if we're thinking he's always hanging over our head, that, oh, what profit, what does it sound like? What profit is it for a man to have abundance in this lifetime and lose your soul? In other words, not have eternal life or something something crazy like that. That's not what it's about. It's about Jesus loves you so much that he wants you to position yourself in his preference because we have the faith in him that he is actually the one that knows what gives you life. He knows what brings your soul, the identity he planned from the very beginning, into vivid color the joy, the fruits of the Spirit, the participation in the miracles. So, I mean, we've got to quit praying without the answers to our prayer. We've got to quit studying without His presence in it. We've got to... And I'm serious. There are seasons where we've got to... We've got to let the religion die. <laughs> Why? Because, because He desperately wants you to come into a place where where you're in a relationship where he is releasing your identity. In other words, submission to to his preferences is the release of your identity. Um, we probably have to do this again some more because I, I fear that I didn't do a great job of showing, but I want you to know if you're a note taker, every story that we read this morning has that relational pattern in it. A faith that when, when he reveals, now listen, when he reveals himself and and people submit to it, their identity is revealed. They're positioned to be in the miraculous, to, to create an open heaven. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Blake, if you could come on up. Well, well actually, would you... Uh, Help me move the table real quick. Let's move this to the middle. We're going to have the Lord's Supper. Thank you. And I want to do some positioning. Is that okay? All right. That's what we're going to do. So, how do you want to do this, Lord? Okay, yeah. Whenever you're ready, you can... Give us some background here. The first thing that um, I believe the Lord wants to do is, um, without putting any pictures back up here, I want to invite the Holy Spirit to to make a picture with you. Okay? And I believe he wants to be in a room with you. There, that was a room. You were looking at a room. But I believe that, do you know that he wants to meet with you all the time? I believe he wants to meet with you right now so um, I'm just in just a moment I'm just gonna pray for you and then I'm gonna I'm just gonna ask you let the Lord bring you into a room with him and when he does it's okay if he doesn't do you know that it is okay but but I believe that he wants to and when he does look around and notice the details I want you to notice your position with him. Where are you in relation to him? And so, Father God, I just ask a blessing on this time. We set apart our minds that you made right now for you. We set apart our minds. and We ask, us, we ask you to bring um, each one of us into a room with you. And we would like to know how we are positioned in reality. You don't have to be scared of this. Um, The truth is freeing. You can't change your position if you don't know what your position is. this is not the way he meets with you that's okay but if you found yourself in a room with him how are you and how is he why why does it look that way Now if you so choose I invite you to ask him a question Ask him if there's one preference that you hold dear that he would like you to get rid of so, Lord we ask now is there one is there a preference in our life that you want to reveal that is keeping us, that is robbing us from the release of our full identity and beauty in you. He says that that he means for you to have his mind, to be in that kind of unity with him. Not just, um, I know your preference, Lord, and well, I'm, I'm willing to choose your preference over my own, but he's invited us to share in the mind of Christ that his preferences, he says, I will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, he will make his preferences yours for hearts that actually seek. And this this is the broken body and the spilled blood that makes that miracle possible. And we ask for miracles in hearts. In the strong name of Jesus.